0: Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, once again for this morning. Lord, even as here here in your presence this morning, I pray, Lord, looking into your word, Father, I pray that you would anoint us afresh, speak to our hearts, uh, teach us your ways, show us your paths, anoint us to understand your ways, O oh Lord. Your word says, O oh Lord, it is the anointing which le- teaches us all things. It is the anointing which leads us to all truth. And I pray, Father, we would abide in the anointing and we will learn of your ways this morning. Even as we meditate upon the scriptures, I pray, Lord Jesus, open our eyes, open our understandings to see you high and lifted up. Grant us grace, O Lord, that we will just not be hearers, but doers of your word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, for in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. So let's look at today's teaching, titled it, All to Him I Owe. Look at Job 32. Job 32 and uh, one word verse which, uh, grabbed my attention and let's look at those verses. Job 32 and read from verses 1 onwards. So these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. And the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachael, the Buzite of the family of Ram, was aroused against Job. This is not our Ram. This is another Ram. Okay. It's not of the family of Ram. <coughs> Our Ram is still sleeping, okay. Was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. No, I'll tell you why. <laughs> you know, if you, if you know our ancient, uh, uh, Sanskrit slokas, no? Uh, there's one thing called Suprabhatam. We've we'll heard that Suprabhatam. So many times we hear it. The first, very first word of Suprabhatam, the first stanza of Suprabhatam is very fantastic. It says, Kausalya Supraja Rama Samandhya Purva Pravardhate Uttishta Narasar Dhula Kartavyam Daivamanikam Meaning, O Rama, son of Kausalya, Sandhya Purva means the morning has already begun. Please get up and do your morning (laughs) ablutions. That is what it means. Uttishta Narasar Dhula Kartavyam Daivamanikam Meaning, please... Please get up in the morning and finish off your ablutions, okay. (sighs) Rama. (laughs) Okay, Supraja Rama. Sandhya Purva. So, you are the leader of all the people, please get up. So this is, our Ram doesn't sleep, okay. Whoever our Ram is, I mean, it's not our Ram. Our God does not sleep. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. Anyway, so the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barak, held the buzite of the family of Ram, was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused. Why? Because he justified himself rather than God. The point is, what does it mean to justify God? And that is a question we need to ask. Right? I mean, I was pastor uh, was teaching us. One of the things that struck me was, how does one justify God? And what does it mean to first justify God? And how do we do that? Alright, so we have to look everything in the light of scripture. Let us look at the New Covenant to see where this phrase <coughs> occurs. From there we will get some cues as to what it means to justify God. This is Gospel according to Luke chapter 7. Uh, this is immediately after the episode where um, Jesus goes to Simon the Pharisee's house. And remember oh, what happens? The lady comes and washes the feet of Jesus. After this, the messengers of John come to Jesus and say, are you the one or should we wait for somebody else? And then Jesus says all the things that he says and he says, blessed is the one who does not get offended because of me. And then he begins to praise John and calls him such fantastic names. I already have it. Okay. Yeah. So, so he calls him, I mean, he begins to Give him an appraisal of who he really is, of all the men born of women, greatest as John the Baptist, and least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him, etc. So, this is exactly what he's saying in verse 24, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiments. Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. Now, the point, the point is, God is not really against people who are gorgeously apparelled. But the point here is, we should be gorgeously apparelled in another way. Bible says, Jesus sanctifies his bride by the washing of water by the word, so that he might prepare for himself a bride. How? Gorgeously apparelled. That is the whole context. Okay, The spiritual, you should always need to understand, this is spiritual, gorgeously apparelled, in the sight of God is totally different. It's got to do with an attitude. And we know that a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit in the sight of God is most precious. Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. Yes, I say to you, definitely is a prophet, but more than a prophet. So this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, that is Jesus' way, before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, and but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And then, Verse 29. And when all the people heard him. It's remarkable. All the people heard him. Even the tax collectors. What did they do? They justified God. Understand that. Having been baptized by the baptism of John. They were baptized by the baptism of John. And of course the baptism of John is a baptism unto repentance. We know that. Verse 30. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of god um the other translations will use if you have the kjv can you read kjv uh, uh peter um 7:13 it's very interesting uh, i just want you to look at the word the will of god is okay 7:30 uh, will say the counsel of god if i'm right yes you see that 7:30 uh, but the pharisees and the lawyers rejected the The counsel of God. It's a a very important word. It's a counsel of God. Okay, Counsel of God for themselves not having been baptized by the baptism of John. So the people received the what? They they, they received the counsel of God. See, baptism was an external act of uh, only receiving something. They're receiving the counsel. And of course, counsel and will are interchangeable. I'll, I'll tell you how, I'll show you some verses as to how the counsel of God and the will of God, they go hand in hand because if anyone wills to do my will, he will know of my doctrine. And What is doctrine? Counsel, right? So you just don't know the counsel of God and do nothing about it. Okay, so, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, what then shall I liken the men of this generation and what are they like therefore what is the will of God for our lives the tax collectors justified God and the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God so what is the will of God yeah exactly the will of God for our lives is that we justify God my goodness (laughs) you understand this Look at this. This is so important for us to realize. Okay? We don't take these things lightly. So when we listen to messages like we heard for the past few days and if it does, what are the most important messages uh, that we we are supposed to hear? uh, If not the important, (laughs) if not the most important, if it is the one of the most important, then we have to really, really take to heart as to what God is trying to teach us through all this. Right? And therefore we need to search the scriptures. Like, where do we learn as to what does it mean to justify God? So, what, what is, is the will be? of God? Therefore, is to justify God. We'll come to that. Therefore, to what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? Okay, they are like the children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, "We played the flute for you, and you did not dance." Meaning, they wanted a very nice message, a smooth, soothing message, a nice, beautiful message, comforting message. God says, "I will sent you a comforting message." but after you did you after you heard the message did you dance like somebody yesterday pastor was telling uh, some of the girls came to his him and asked him is it wrong for you to dance and pastor gave so four parameters as to how should one dance okay so dancing is not against the will of god you should dance when you listen to i mean when you're really overjoyed like the way uh, david danced before before the ark of the covenant of god and was incredible in the sight of god it was fantastic okay there is a dance which is good mm. right so we played the flute for you and you did not dance so the the teaching was like the playing of the flute no beautiful the flute is some one of the most uh, it, it 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 can it actually um it, it actually uh, uh, see conveys a very uh, poignant meaning poignancy there's uh, there's a poignancy there's a lot of soothing feeling when you listen to the flute when, when it is being played okay it kind of, kind of soothes you it's got a very uh, interesting uh, what do you call it? frequency which hits your uh, note hits your brains in a different way no it's not like drums drums kind of jumps you and uh, when you listen to the violin it's it gives you a different um uh, meaning I mean it gives gives you a different uh, emotion right, and when you listen to the flute, it kind of draws another d- different kind of an emotion when you feel the trumpet, it draws a different kind of an emotion right remember uh, I, i'm sure you know when you listen to the drums you you say like this, you go like that, and when you listen to the guitar, it kind of you begin to sing right, and when you listen to the flute you just like, you 're just like quiet and you want to listen to it and you, it kind of soothes you right and this is this is what he 's trying to say it 's like We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We moaned to you, you did not weep. You know, the context is, those days, the only kind of entertainment was, they go to the marketplace, so there are different kinds of people doing all kinds of drama. So, one kind of people, they dance, I mean, they play the flute, you did not dance. We moaned, or rather, other translations will use the word, we played the dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread, not drinking wine, and you say he has a... The problem is, John the Baptist came, boy, he lived such an austere life. Something specifically was mentioned about him, especially his dressing and his diet. Okay, he lived in the wilderness, he would not party. Okay, and when, you, when he said, you know what, you generation of vipers, that's the same message he preached to the... General crowd and also to the Pharisees. He didn't have a specific message for the Pharisees and a specific message for the, for the people. He played the dirge for both. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The same verse, same word for both the Pharisees and to the general public. And the general public, they said, you know what, what shall we do? They said. But you know, immediately the Pharisees started hearing that kind of, uh, that, that kind of a message. They wanted to get baptized. But when they heard that kind of a message, they said, who are you? What are your credentials? Who sent you? Are you Christ? Are you that prophet? Are you Elijah? He said, I am none of these. I am just a voice in the wilderness crying out. See, so we played the dirge. I lived a fantastic, austere life. When you look at him, you will say, boy, this is a holy man, for sure. But what did you say? He is a demon. That is their final analysis of this man. And then, then the son of man came. How did he come? And you see, Jesus, in this entire course of his life, no matter who called him to his place, he went and had a blast with them. He ate. okay. He drank wine with them, yeah, for sure. I mean, he didn't get drunk on wine. He did have a blast with them, right? Eating and drinking, and you say, because Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came, eating and drinking. He came he's not trying to change his testimony he said yeah of course i did not you know, the way that uh, that uh, john the baptist lived i did not i mean i did, i'm not i did not uh, not that i couldn't live that kind of a life i did not when god wanted me to to live the way that i lived came eating and drinking and you say look a glutton a wine biber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners he has a demon he is this fellow is given to drinking and eating but what wisdom is justified by all her children you see so this is a very important word the just wisdom is justified by all her children now who are the chil- children of wisdom right the children of wisdom are those people who have accepted the dash of god the counsel of god simple right according to this passage If you look at a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 11, this is what it says. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute to you and you do not dance. We mourn to you and you do not lament. For John came neither eating and drinking and you say he has a demon. Son of man came eating and drinking. But you say same thing, but wisdom is justified by her children. Look at how the NASB renders this particular verse, verse 19. NASB is very interesting. Son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, "Behold, a gluttonous man, a heavy drinker." Bah! Wow. Look, exaggeration. Heavy drinker. One glass of wine he had. That's it. Call him what? Heavy drinker? Did you say it? No. Heavy drinker, a gluttonous man, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds okay you see that both are important so how do you therefore justify god very important we want to understand how do you justify god the will of god for us first of all we need to understand the will of god is to justify god acts chapter 13 look at what it says and verse 22 and verse 22 onwards and then verse 36 acts chapter 13 verse 22 onwards and verse 36 And when he had removed him, that is Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he gave testimony. Who gave testimony? You need to understand these are so very significant words, never neglect. Whose testimony was this? The word for, this is the testimony of God about David. The word for testimony is witness, from which we get the word. From which we, it comes from the Greek word. Martyr, exactly. In other words, God is saying, "I can stake my life on this. This is my witness about David." Okay. Very significant, very, very significant. Okay. This is my witness. In other words, um, we bear testimony, right? We say that I test I witnessed about witnessed about God to others. God says, "You know what? You did not witness. I bore witness to your testimony." There's a difference. There's a sea difference between the two. Okay, to whom he also gave testimony and said, "I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will." You know the word for will again? Counsel. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, This is actually not with counsel. Thelma. The word for uh, will in this case is Thelma. Verse thirty-six. For David, after he had served his generation by the Now that word is counsel of God or the will of God. Fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. Therefore, what is the will of God? To obey the counsel of God. Therefore, how do we justify God? This is what I wrote for myself. The will of God for my life is that my life has to justify God. That is a tremendous statement. Okay, This is not ordinary statement. My life has to justify God. One of my children's favorite hymns. You no, know, I taught them that that hymn. No, um, all creatures of our God and, sing, God and King. Remember that hymn. Lift up your voice with us and sing. Oh, praise Him, hallelujah. One of the stanzas for that. I love that stanza. Okay, look at what it says. One stanza. <clears throat> oh, this is very interesting. Let all things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. This is the. The whole purpose of creation is to worship Him and bless Him. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit. Three in one. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. The whole counsel of God, the will of God for our life is that we justify God. Okay. Wisdom is justified by her children. So, what is the will of God, therefore no wisdom is justified by her children, right? So Jesus says all these things, he, he tells them and he says, "You know wisdom is justified by our children, wisdom is justified by our deeds, is vindicated by our actions, and after he says that, he makes some incredible statements. you need to get the whole context as to what is going on over here to to get. To, to understand what it, what does it mean to really justify God, right? Matthew chapter 11, it says, and then same thing, after verse 19, he says, wisdom is justified by her children, and verse 20, he says, and he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. So how do you justify God? By repenting. <laughs> okay. By repenting. And he says, "What do you, Chorazin? What do you, Bethsaida? For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable. That means who get who did the greater crime? Mm, okay." Uh, this, this, this people Chorazin, the Churazin who rejected the mighty works of God. In other words, in hell also there are different degrees of punishment. Tyrant Sardan will get less punishment. Okay, who will get more punishment? Chorazin. <laughs> okay. Though he who did not know the will of God and did not do the things that he was supposed to be done, he received less stripes. And the person who knew the will of God and did not do it will get more stripes. Remember? Uh, he, God tells Pilate, the person who has handed me over to you has the greater sin. That means you are a sinner, but you are less of a sinner when compared to them. Greater sin. Okay. And he says, but I say to you, it will be more tolerable for, tolerable for tyrant Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Therefore, it's very very important for us to really fear, understand that this is these are not small statements. My life has to justify God. So, how do we do that? Is the question. So, first thing, the way we justify God is we repent, we turn. For this is the will of God. Exactly, Second Peter chapter three. Look at what it says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, verse 8 onwards. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing. Did you see that? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance or should be brought into repentance, should come to repentance. That's the will of God. Okay. I did not know. No, don't worry. (laughs) 1730. And the times of ignorance, God has winked at. In other words, okay. Okay. But, now, He commands all men everywhere to repent. We desire, O majesty, that we should live by your decree. And therefore, if it is what is the decree of God, what is the commandment of God? That we should what? Repent. Repent, repent, repent. Okay. Matthew 12, 20, 12, 41. <clears throat> the men of Nineveh. The men of who? <laughs> Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation. How do I liken the people of this generation? (laughs) They are the people, when you play the dirge, they will not mourn. When you play the flute, they will not dance. And what will happen therefore? The men of Nineveh will stand up. That's exactly what is happening all around around the world. When you preach a tough word, they will say, this is a very tough word. God is not like that. When you preach a very (laughs) comforting word, this this is also, we don't accept What will you accept? We play your kind of music, then you will accept. Right? The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? For they repented. You see that? They repented. At the preaching of Jonah. And now someone, something greater than Jonah is here. And who is that person? Jesus himself. So that is the reason why in the times past, Jesus, in various times and in various ways, polytypos, remorse, God has preached to us through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us by his son. Finished, it's over. And after he has spoken to us by his son, there is only one way, we have to repent. Repentance is the most important thing. And therefore, what does it mean to repent? We look at the example of Jonah. Jonah. Okay, Jonah. Well, whom did he go to? He went to Nineveh. Family passage, as I said, but there will always be surprises. Okay, Jonah. Jonah's gospel. Okay, the gospel according to Jonah. Chapter 3. Yeah, there's a gospel according to Jonah. Okay. And Jonah began to, to enter the city on the first day's walk. How many days walk is uh, Nineveh? Three days walk. Okay, three days walk. Okay, First day's walk. Maximum in a day, a person can travel up to 15 kilometers, 20 kilometers, okay. You can walk. 15 kilometers, 20 kilometers and I'm in a day. So in 3 days, 60 kilometers. That means one end of the city to the other end, it is 60. That is the diameter of the city. What is the radius? 30 kilometer radius, okay. 30 kilometer radius city. So ordering road, basically. You can imagine. Okay, it's a huge city. Capital of Assyria. Nineveh means the abode of Ninus. Who's Ninas? One of the kings of Assyrian kings. Very famous. Okay, the abode of Ninas. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, then he cried out and say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the, that is the only statement he made. 40 days. 40 days is a symbol of God's judgment. The judgment of God is coming and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It will be, it will cease to exist. Overthrown means it will cease to exist. In forty days, remarkable word, no? So what did Nineveh do? According to Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty-one, they repented. In other words, they did the will of God. They justified. They began to what? They justified. They received the counsel of God, and now what they do? They will begin to justify God. How do? How are they going to justify God now? Let us see. Jonah's Gospel, chapter three, verse five. So the people of Nineveh, first thing they did was they Believed God. (laughs) So you see, this is the most important. They believed God, proclaimed a fast. See, all the other things later. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast. Put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be Proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles and his nobles saying whatever he said, okay, so they did at least five things first thing they believed God, second thing they proclaimed a fast, third thing they put on sackcloth and satin ashes from where to where from the greatest to the least is the budana basically Hmm Where do you see Buddha? Dust and ashes? You see it in the smasanam, in the graveyard. Okay. Verse 4. The, and the king of Nineveh arose from his throne. Fifth one, he lays, laid aside his robe. Five things they did. Five things which signify some five spiritual truths. This is how we begin to, what we say, justify God. In other words, right? They begin to justify God. They believed the report first. The report of Nineveh. What is the report of Nineveh? In 40 days. Within 40 days you are gone. The judgment of God is set and this is what will happen to you. In 40 days you will be no more. But what is the whole purpose of sending them to the prophet so that they will no 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 no. First believe God. See the first thing we, the way we begin to justify God in other words we are calling God is righteous. When we say, what what do we mean by justifying God? We are saying that God is righteous. When, you know, when we begin to justify God, when we believe God. And what does believing God mean? Let us see. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. This is Jehoshaphat and all. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. What do you do first? Believe in the Lord, your God, the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in His prosper prof- prophets, and you shall prosper. The word for prosper in Telugu, krutardhulu, meaning you will pass the exam. Okay. You believe in the Lord, you will be established. Believe in His prophets and you shall prosper. Now, this is remarkable, okay? I, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you how we read this particular verse, okay? The word for Hebrew, in Hebrew for believe is the word aman, aman, you know, aman, okay? Be faithful or put your trust in the Lord. Believe meaning, to put your trust in the Lord. And the word to be established in the Hebrew means, comes from the Hebrew word, aman, same thing, okay? Okay, understand. No, no, let, let us read that. Read, read this verse together now. Hear me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be believed. Okay. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be believed in. <laughs> believe his prophets, and you shall pass the exam. This is how you read the word. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be believed in. In other words, there are two sides of believing God. You believe God and God believes you, huh? Ah. Because you believe in one God, the demons also believe there is one God. They also tremble. So in other words, when do we actually believe in God? When the Lord begins to believe in you that is what it means okay so how does that happen is a question because many people believe in god but god does not believe in them look at what it says in john's gospel <coughs> chapter 2 verse 23 onwards We know these verses very well. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he did. But Jesus did not. You know the word for commit? Same thing. Jesus did not believe himself into their hands. They believed in Jesus, but Jesus did not believe in them. Because he knew what was in their hearts. Okay. There's a lot of difference, no? <coughs> I believe you. Jesus. And Jesus says, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. See, the, you are only showing, you are only showing your, you are pretending as if you are, uh, you have repented like Pharaoh, no? I have sinned. How many times he said, I have sinned, please pray for me. Immediately after the, after the sign is removed, or rather when the, the judgment of God is removed, immediately scripture says he hardened his heart. So, he said, I believe, but the Lord said, I don't believe you. Balaam said, I repent, I have sinned. (laughs) Jesus says, I don't, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't trust you. Saul said, I have sinned. (laughs) Jesus said, I don't trust you. (coughs) David said, I have sinned. Jesus said, I trust you. You see, so there's two sides of believing. When you believe God, when you truly, truly, truly justify God, God justifies you. That is how justification by faith happens. Because He knew all men. And he did not need anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was his man. In other words, he did not he did not need anyone of them to justify him. In other words, <laughs> you see, it's such a such a very important lesson for us to really consider, isn't it? Excuse me. What is it? Therefore, therefore, what is it believing? What what does it be, what does it mean to believe God? You need to understand this in more. Um, Complete terms, right? Look at what it says. John's Gospel chapter 2, they saw the signs that Jesus did and they all started believing in him. Immediately the next chapter, who comes? Nicodemus comes. Immediately chapter 2 ends, the very next verse, the very next verse, look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. What did he do? This man came to Jesus by... Night. That is where it's, a, that, 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 that statement itself is over. In other words, we believe you, but <laughs> I don't know whether. See, Jesus said, you came in the night, you believe me, but I really don't think I believe you, you see. I'll, we'll talk about that. This man came to Jesus by night. Why? Because he's a, he was a ruler of the Jews. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these In other words, he saw the signs and he believed. That you do unless, no no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see. That's it. You're out. They do not believe. Another place, John's Gospel, chapter 12. Look at this. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not. Who said this? John is being inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which the Lord spoke, saying, The Lord who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, and then, John, therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah also said, that he has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see their see with their eyes, lest they should understand. And verse 41, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Look at what it says in the next verse. Nevertheless, verse 42, even among the, what? Huh? Rulers, okay, because he was the ruler of the Jew, no? Who was the ruler of the Jew? Nicodemus, okay, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So how do you ensure that God believes in you? Lord, I believe your report and not the report of men. Whose report will you believe? You know, we we all like that word. Whose report will you believe when we go to the doctor? Okay, when we go to the doctor, the doctor's report says thou thou mm, you have cancer. Not thou. Okay, uh, the doctor says you have cancer. You have to go through all these things, and then we will come to church. Whose report shall you believe? We shall believe in the report of the Lord, etc. Now God also says, "I also I did not do uh, body can body checkup. I did your soul and spirit checkup." And this is what your situation is. You have the cancer of the soul called sin. But why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, understand this, that sin is crouching at the door and his desire is for you. But you shall master him. Sin is there. That is the report of God. And what did Cain say? <laughs> Whose report will you believe? You see. For they loved the praise. That is the reason why they, did not, they could not believe him. What stopped them from uh, believing in God? Simply because they loved the praise of men. See, that's exactly what happens to many of us. Even when we are growing up, we love the approval of our peer group. Okay. All of those people who are, who are around us. That is the reason we don't want to be different. Because they love the we we love we understand you know when I, and I know how difficult it is because I was there as a teenager one day I mean one of the it's so difficult to be a like a proverbial sortho uh, sortham no among them you do not want to dress like them you do not want to speak their language you do not want to go to the movies that they watch you do not want to be like them okay. I, I remember when I was uh, in uh, in university doing a B uh, Tech. All my friends knew that I was a believer, Christian. But what kind of a believer? I also used to watch their same movies, okay. But I didn't not I did not do so many other things that they did. But you know, but I used to enjoy with them, have a good times, listen to the same music, watch the same movies, okay. Sometimes bunk classes and what go for movie. I did all those, okay, just to be accepted among the brethren, okay. Watch the same thing. And then one day I should also uh, take them to church. And uh, when I took them to church, I took them to a Christian rock concert. What concert? Mm, Christian rock concert. Okay, Christian rock does not exist, but it is an oxymoron. But those days, because I didn't want them to feel that Christianity was any different. So they came to the concert. They also danced. They jumped. They went back. Totally unchanged. This is exactly what happens. I mean, I, I, I know, even you, I remember that Christian Rock concert now. What was there in that concert? Not even a single. I'll tell you. One and a half hour of music. In that one and a half hour of music, there'll be a 15 minute break. What is that? part 1, part 2. In that break, one fellow will come and give the gospel and go. And what is the gospel? The most diluted gospel on planet earth. Repent of your sins, nothing. Nothing. No confrontation with sin at all. What has happened? You have made people comfortable in your sin and you are not any different from the world. You are just like us. So what has happened? You have literally justified them rather than them making, making them justify God. You have justified them in their sin rather than making them say, repent of your sin and justifying God. What do we call that? Christian rock concept. They're not any different from the b- b- fellow who does uh, rock music and uh, do, does heavy metal music. Nothing different. Long hair. Christian rock. Nowadays, now I'm ashamed of that. Why will they believe? How can they believe? You see? You know why we do that? Did I ever take them to another gospel session? Never. Never. There's a, there's a YFC, not YFC, one of the, I think it was, I think YWAM. YWAM conducts a yearly conference called it's a very powerful converse. Forget the name. Uh, the name is uh, uh, fire something, fire console. It's, a, it's basically a youth gospel mission. Okay, uh, Crossfire. Yeah, crossfire, crossfire. YWAM. I think YWAM conducts a crossfire. Exactly. In crossfire, if you go, it is fiery preaching only. Fiery! Okay. You cannot go to crossfire and be comfortable in your sin. I mean, at least those days when I went to crossfire. And people come and confess their wildest sins in that, in that camp, uh, in that uh, meeting, three, three days meeting. I remember those days. No, I remember those days, real fiery preaching. And you know, people used to come and confess to the preacher and say, you know what, I was living with this girl. I have caught her pregnant. What shall I do? Will God really forgive my sin? Yes, He will forgive your sin. But if you repent. People came and showed what their heart was really in the sight of God. Why? Because there was a confrontation. You see, people were not justified in their sin. They repented of their sin and justified God. That is how we believe God. That is the reason why he says he who covers his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. And what did the Pharisees do? They loved the praise of men. They would have loved Jesus to say, you know, you're not that bad, Pharisees. You just have to change. <laughs> nothing. Nothing of that sort. You, generation of vipers. How can you do good? How can you do good? You are of your father the devil. Of his you see how kind, what kind of words he used? Powerful. I mean, these are, these are something which he just openly said to them. You are of your father, the devil, and of his works you will do. Why? Because the wisdom is justified by her children or by her actions. If you're really the child of God, there's something which comes out. If you're really Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. What, what are you trying to do? You're trying to kill me. And what do they do? Pick up stones. It's interesting. Chapter 8 starts, they want to stone the woman caught in adultery. And by the end of chapter 8, they want to stone Jesus. Not changed. One bit. You see. My dear brothers, we need to really take these things to heart. Okay. They loved the praise of men. We love the praise of men. Oh, we love the praise of our peer group. We don't want to be anything different from them. You see. The very Actually, traumatic for many people. How do we say that? You know why you want, you can't say it simply because you also like to be like them. (laughs) You also want to have a gala time in this world, and also have go to heaven. You you want to live like a rich man when you're on earth, and you want to die like Lazarus. How is it possible? It's not going to happen. See, then goes on to say. John's Gospel chapter 5. How can you believe? You see that? How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God, not from God only. There's a lot of difference. In other words, your God is who? Is your friend. (laughs) Your God is your friend because if he says you're good, then I'm good. That's exactly what happens. No, the Pharisees comes and say, I am not like this person. I'm not. I'm not even like this tax collector. Who who is he comparing with? Is comparing with this peer group. I told you no. When you compare yourself with the topper of the class, <laughs> then you know who's a real topper or not. I tell I tell you no. People they become topper of every college. Every engineering college they will become the topper. Then they will go to MIT. In MIT, every class has only toppers. So what is your, uh, all your colleges? They are the outer courts. No, no, maybe the outer courts is in your intermediate. Intermediate exam is your outer courts. Then you write your MSET or NEET or AIEEE and enter into the holy place called engineering college. Holy place, no? Because so many people people are eliminated and you enter into the holy place called Engineering College. And Engineering College, you become the topper of the college, you get President Gold Medal. And then you enter into MIT which is called Most Holy Place. And in the Most Holy Place, there will be, there will be only one fellow who is the Most Holy among all these fellows. And what happens when you compare yourself with him? You say, my righteousness is like Filthy rags. That's exactly what happens. When you see the topper of the class, you will say, my righteousness is like, oh, gee, 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 gee. Okay. otherwise you are the topper. In your class, everybody is saying, wow, genius, topper of university. Baba, that is only most holy place. A holy place. From the outer course, you enter into the holy place only. The the asalas Where is it? It is in the most holy place. The real thing is there in the most holy place. In the most holy place, there is only one person who speaks, and that is God. And you have to compare yourself with him. That's exactly what happens to Isaiah. Hmm. Order to the holy place, and then one day he goes to the temple. He has a vision of the whole most holy place, not on earth, but in heaven. You know what he says? I am a man of unclean lips. All these fellows run killed. We are all the same. I am undone. That is what it means. So, how do we justify God? By saying, "Lord, when I compare myself to you, I am undone." Inverted pendulum. Okay. That comes from God only. No, not from, from the God only, from the only God. From the only God. That is the reason why. Let not the wise man boast in his. So what is a what is a God for a wise man? Wisdom. Okay. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. What is the what is the righteousness of the of the rich man? <laughs> Wisdom. As a riches, let not the strong man boast in his strength. What is the righteousness of the strong man? Strength. Remember that guy who was crossing the river? One fellow was rowing his boat, a poor man, from one side to the other. And suddenly a storm came. And before the storm came, he said, uh, what did you study? He said, uh, I did not study anything, sir. What do you know? Mm, Things are only rowing the boat. Do you know mathematics? He said, no. Do you know physics? He said, no. Do you know this? Do you know this? no. Do you know chess? He said, no. <laughs> then finally the storm came and he jumped into the river and he said, do you know swimming? He said, no. You see, over. That's exactly what has happened to Noah. Noah built the boat. Noah, what do you have to show for yourself? Do you have a business which is thriving? No. Where are you spending all the money? Building the ark. What are you getting? Nothing. And finally what happened? Storm came. And what did Noah do? By building the ark, what did he do? He justified God. He justified God, my dear brothers. That is how you believed God. Then he said, (laughs) Do you know swimming? (laughs) No. (laughs) You see, you, you know swimming? Ultimately, you see, the wisdom of this world. Where does it take you? There is only one God who can pronounce. That is the reason why he says, "You know, remember what those verses that we that we so, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us on all things? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? Why?" It is God who justifies. If, if God who does not justify, doesn't matter. In order for God to justify us, what should we do? We should justify God. <laughs> In other words, we should say, Lord, we believe you when you said 40 days, Nineveh will be no more. We deserve it. We believe you. We believe you. You see that? We believe you. You've been living a lie. But What do they do? <laughs> How can you believe? he says, what is the biggest um uh, block or the stumbling block to belief or uh, what is the what is a what is a bedrock for unbelief honor from men like peer group what do they think about me? I remember you no know, those days they asked me what do you do? It was very difficult for me to say, no, I'm not pastor now. very difficult pastor I'm uh, what pastor. Shepherds are an abomination. But what is highly esteemed among men? Is an abomination. There. I'll tell you something. Shepherds are an abomination among shepherds. You know that? I don't want to say all those things now. How can you believe? Goes on. Luke's Gospel chapter 16. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money... (laughs) also heard all these things and they derided him. And he said to them, verse 15, 16-15, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. He doesn't see your heart. He just not only sees your heart, He knows your heart. Intricately, intimately, acquainted with every thought that comes from your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination among the sight in the sight of God. You, in other words, you take the best of the best men. You see. The best men you take them. Highly esteemed. is an abomination. Another place. John's Gospel chapter 8. As he spoke these words, verse 30, many believed in him. Then he said, to so the Jews who believed in Him, if you abide in My Word, and you are made, you will be My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But you know what they did? No, <clears throat> no, 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 no. We are never in bondage to anybody. See. So you believed God. When you believe God, when do you believe God? When you, when God begins to believe in you. <laughs> See that it means your repentance has to be genuine. You see? Yeah, I'm sorry. Doesn't, doesn't cut it. What are you sorry about? You see? Romans chapter 4. We know this verse very well. When they, when, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by his works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Okay? But not before God. Okay? For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Great. He did not do any works. Fantastic. Abraham believed God for sure. But how does he know that he believed God? Let us see. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not, which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, hope, Inho believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. And then then what happens? It was credited to him as righteousness. But then how do you know that he believed God? Genesis chapter 22. Being fully convinced that he had promised, he was also able to perform, verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look look at what it says in Genesis chapter 22. Okay, sorry, before we go to Genesis chapter 2, James chapter 2. Was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he offered Isaac on the altar? And verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, And it was accounted to him for righteousness. How do we know that? Genesis 22. And he said, 22 verse 12. 12. And he said, who said this? This is God saying, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for... Now who knows? God knows. Now I know that you fear God. You believed God. Now... I believe you too. <laughs> you see. What did what did Abraham do? He justified God. Understand that? That is exactly what believing is. You take God at his word. And you believe it. You take God at his word. Doesn't matter who the preacher is. You believe God, meaning you take God at His word and say, Lord, yes, this is what you said, and this is exactly what you will do, and therefore what do I do? I never take those things for, for granted. If you take those things for granted, see, ultimately it is the sin of unbelief, right? The root of all sin is unbelief, right? Genesis chapter 2, we know this verse very well, right? Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. To what? To tend it and to keep it. Two things you are supposed to do. What is tending, working on it? That's a work that you need to do. To, to, that is how you work. To tend it. My Meaning, you ensure that it all looks fantastic and fine. The order is maintained. Everything is perfect. And you also have to do the second thing. What is the second thing? Keep it means guard it. Why? Because God created man in his own image. And what did he give him? Dominion. You are in charge of this place. You are not supposed to allow anybody to come into this place. You are in charge, period. Who came? Serpent. So so the problem is, Eve did not sin first, therefore. Who sinned? Adam sinned by allowing somebody to come into the garden. Who, Who allowed the serpent to come into your house? So that's just, that is the reason why you know what? of the greatest sin is not the sin of commission. It is the sin of omission. So what was the sin of omission? Adam did not guard the garden. Satan entered and caused the sin of what? Commission. You're supposed to guard it. You're supposed to guard the pulpit. He tells the pastor. I have some things against you that you tolerate those people who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam. You tolerate those people who preach the doctrine of Jezebel. How is it possible that you are not guarding it? I gave you authority to guard it. Not just to keep it, but also to guard it. I gave you dominion. But did you believe? No. What did he say? It's okay. chalega. The serpent came and you allowed it. It it, it says that Eve was deceived and not Adam. So he allowed it. So what did he do? And the Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you you shall eat of the garden, of the the tree, you will what? Surely die. Meaning what? Actually, there's a double superlative. You will die, die. That's what it means. If you eat that day, you will die, die. You know, in... uh, in equations we have cancellation eve did one thing there are two dice what did eve, eve do she cut off one die this is exactly what she did second verse genesis chapter 3 the serpent was more cunning then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden of, every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the garden which is in the midst of the garden, midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall touch, lest you die. What did she do? Cancel of one die. Die. Okay. You can only cancel when left hand side is equal to right hand side. She cut off one side, that's it directly. What has happened to the equation? Imbalanced. You see? You shall surely die. The word in Hebrew is very interesting, no? The day that you shall eat, you shall be moth, moth. Word for death is moth. Which is again the uh, you know Arabic also is moth, in Urdu also is moth, in Hindi also is moth. Moth, moth. So what did she do? We will only moth. You will only die. Surely, is not there. You just take off. In other words, the moment. How does unbelief happen? You know, when you do not believe. How you do not believe God. Meaning what? What does believing God mean? You believe the God, and you will never lessen the intensity of the Word of God. You take it completely, not just taking off parts of it and saying, you know what? I don't like it. That's what exactly what uh, Thomas Jefferson did. We have the Jefferson Bible. You know what he did? He cut off. He cut off the parts of the Bible and then we have the Jefferson Bible. Uh, We don't like this part. We don't like this part. We don't like this part. Edit, 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 edit. Cut, 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 cut. And he said, this is the Bible. God is not like that. Who told you? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by not some. (laughs) Every word, every You, see, you need to understand, it doesn't, it doesn't even change it for his son. That is the reason why, when Jesus came in the flesh, it says, Jesus, when in the days of his flesh, with loud cries and tears, prayed, why? To him who was able to, save him from what? From death. Death because of what? Not death on the cross. Not a death for sin. He should not die in sin. And he, he would die if he committed sin he never committed any sin and therefore he cried Lord keep me from sin, give me the power to overcome sin he did not change it for even his own son you shall eat of it, you shall surely die and you know what, what, what happens, you will cut off and you know immediately this the <clears throat> Satan pounces on that statement and says something very powerful it says Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, the serpent said to the woman you shall not surely die, you said you took away one uh, uh, in, I will just add it on to the other side and say, nothing, you shall not surely die. Nothing is going to happen to you. You don't have to believe. God is not like that. What has happened? You began not to believe God. You're supposed to believe Him. And if you believe Him, how do you begin to justify God? By believing every word that He says. And so this is what He says. This is what He will do. Therefore, Lord, I take it. I'm not going to change it. Remember pastor says, you no, know, what is the when did the breakthrough come in his life? Lord, this is your Bible. Even if I don't like anything that that it says, I will still obey it because it's your word. I'll surrender myself completely completely to your word. That's it. I may not feel it. I mean I may not feel like obeying it. I may not feel it is right or right, right, or wrong, but if this is what you say, this is what I'll obey, and this is what I'll do. This is such an such a important and a very powerful word. Look at what it says. Ezekiel chapter 30, 33, verse 7. Mm-hmm. So you, son of man, I have made you a, what? a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. What are you supposed to do? Oh, you watchman, you're supposed to keep it, tend it and also keep it. That's exactly what a pastor is supposed to do. He is supposed to keep the flock, sorry, uh, tend the flock tend this, that's what he says now, Um, he tells Peter, if you love me, tend my sheep, tend my sheep, tend meaning what, if the hair is growing, give it a nice nice uh, uh, prune it nicely, okay shear it (laughs) that is the reason why you have a holiday on Tuesday in our church, (laughs) because Tuesday for the barber is also holiday and for the pastor also holiday (laughs) Okay, nicely for all the six days we have nicely cut you, we have kept you, tended you nicely, okay we, get, we ensured that the garments on your on your body, the spiritual garments that you wear are nice and sound. Watchmen, I have made you a watchman on the people of Israel. you shall hear a word from me and warn the people. And then you should say something very interesting. When I said to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall, what? Surely die. <laughs> no, don't lessen the intensity of my word. You shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked man from this way. In other words, instead of warning him in his sin, you confirm him in his sin. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I shall require at your hand. That is the reason why he says, you know what, those who uh um, serve in the ministry of the word, you should give them double honor. Why? Because they watch over your souls and let that not be a cause of grief to them. It will be unprofitable for you, it says in Hebrews chapter 13. They watch over your souls because they have to give an account. Why? Remember what happens to Moses? Moses, uh Jesus says, uh, God says to Moses, I have brought this people out of his, out of Egypt. I have brought this people out of Egypt. I have brought this people out of Egypt. And the moment they sin by creating, by making the golden calf, what does God tell Moses? The people you have brought. Are Till now you are saying that I brought these people out and suddenly when they sin, you, the people you, whom you brought. In other words, who is responsible for them making the golden calf? Ah, you see, you would, you think it is easy to become a preacher of the word of God. There's a knife hanging on your head. Okay, it's <laughs> a so knife. That is the reason why. Remember, faithful. I think it's faithful, right? Faithful, yeah, faithful. The friend, faithful in the in the in the in the the story Pilgrim's Progress. Faithful is running, and Christian is running after him. He says, "Hey, faithful, stop me, stop me!" You know what? Faithful says, "Don't stop me. The Avenger of Blood is after me." Who's after me? Ah, the Avenger of Blood. Because I am living in the light that if I don't preach the gospel completely and with full intensity and stay faithful to the gospel, who is after me? The avenger of blood. Faithful. The word for faithful is, God believed me and God has entrusted me with the gospel. It's remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. It says, God made me a steward of the mysteries of God. What does it mean? And he says, it is important for a steward that he should be what? Faithful. And what is faithful? Constantly under the reminder that if he does not preach the whole counsel of God, who's after him? The Avenger of Blood. Understand? <laughs> so, oh wicked man, and his blood I will require of your hand. In other words, you have to preach the whole gospel. Next verse, look at what it says. Nevertheless, if you want the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered you see, in other words, in my, in my preaching of the gospel, what, what am I supposed to do? I should deliver my own soul first. It is not delivering. Whether you would take the, take the gospel or not it is up to you. Okay. I should deliver my soul. That is the reason why Paul says, you know, I have preached the whole counsel of God and none of your blood is on my hands, Baba. None. I have delivered my soul. <laughs> so he so says that when the Holy Spirit come, he convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and of sin. Why? Because they, they do not believe in me. So, first thing, therefore, you believe. How do you believe? By taking God at his word. You shall surely die. You shall surely die. Forty days, Nineveh will be no more. Nineveh will be no more. Simple. Okay. Then what happens? They believed God and then what did they do? They proclaim a fast. What is proclaiming a fast? Very important. Second Samuel chapter 12. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As surely the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall... Surely die. (laughs) Remarkable, isn't it? The man who has done this shall surely die. Moth, moth. And he shall restore fourfold lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And then Nathan came to David and he said, David, you are that man. I am not king, etc. And what did David do? The Lord struck the child with that Uriah's wife bore to David and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with the Lord, with with God for the child. And David fasted. What is fasting therefore? You know, there's a fasting is, when they proclaimed a fast, it is an affliction of the soul. It is a humbling yourself before God. You humble yourself. See, fasting in itself is not, give you glory. (laughs) A lot of people fast to reduce their belly. That is not the fasting God is asking for. It's a sign of humility. Look at what it says in um, Psalm 35 verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth and I humbled myself with what? With what? Fasting. The word for very, it's very interesting. It says, I afflicted my soul with fasting. I afflicted my soul with fasting. You know, when when the Jews are supposed to afflict themselves, God gave them a commandment as to when they were supposed to afflict themselves. They were supposed to. They were supposed to do that. You know when? Leviticus chapter 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, And also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of what? Atonement. It, it shall be a holy convocation and you shall what? Afflict your souls. Boy. Afflict your souls, meaning humble yourself. It's a commandment. That day of atonement, the Matram, you should not just uh, physically fast You really, really, really have to feel sorry for your sin. And how can you feel sorry for your sin unless the Holy Spirit has convicted you of your sin? And offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. How do you should what should you offer? Offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Why should you offer an offering made by fire to the Lord? You're saying, you know what, you're acknowledging, saying, Lord, the fire that was supposed to fall upon me has fallen upon the sacrifice. What are you doing in the process? You are, you are justifying God. You are justifying God. Take your only son and offer him as a what? Huh? Burnt offering. You know, what, what, are you, what are you supposed to offer him? You have to offer him as a burnt offering. Think about it. You know how they were supposed to offer the burnt offering? They have to cut that fellow to pieces. Take away limb by limb. So what was Abraham supposed to do to this Isaac? Cut him into pieces. You know what? Therefore what God did to his son? Now think about it. If Abigail gets one small hurt, she will be crying only because of the pain. I will be crying for so many other reasons. I remember when Emmanuel's thing went into her stomach. No, my God, <clears throat> endoscopy right in front of our eyes. They put her in the OT. There was an it's not the operation theatre like the way because it was a simple minor thing. They had to just do an endoscopy, give her an anesthesia, and uh, my wife was crying. Everybody, Abigail was crying. Everybody is crying. Why? They can't see their child going through that pain. And what are you supposed to do? You have to take your only son Isaac whom you what? Love in KJV whom thou lovest. Thine only son whom thou lovest and offer him as a what offering? Burnt offering. In other words, you have to cut him limb by limb and what does he do? He ties him on the altar and is about to afflict pain upon his son. Now think about it. A father who is evil how much how many deaths he has to die to see his son dying i mean being cut into and what did god the father go through when his son died on the cross in every affliction he was afflicted along with his son and therefore you know what he did you shall afflict your souls you see this is tremendous when they proclaimed the fast they were saying lord it's nothing. <laughs> what you've gone through, that is the reason why what we go through after we become believers, we go through persecution and all, is just like an ant bite. What does it look like? Ant bite. Now what do you do to an ant bite? You do this, that's it. And after you just scratch it, over. That's exactly what it is compared to what God went through. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day For it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. In other words, the word for atonement is what? You are at one with God in his judgment for your sin. You are agreeing and saying, Lord, I deserve this. That is what proclaiming a fast. Fasting means it's not just merely fasting. It is basically an act of humbling yourself and saying, Lord, I deserve this. I deserve this. Okay, Very difficult, no? For people to humble themselves and say, I deserve this. Psalm 51, verse 16. For you do not desire a sacrifice or else I would have given it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken heart and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. We sing that song, no? Yeah, broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's what God desires. You are not broken before us and therefore blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. It's a it's an act of mourning. They wept before God. So they, pro- they believed God, they proclaimed a fast and the second, third thing, they they put on what? Sackcloth and arose from the throne. So what is putting on sackcloth from the greatest to the least? What is putting on sackcloth meaning? This is what I am before you. This is I am acknowledging it. This is exactly what my righteousness is. Sackcloth. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil, this evil in your sight. In your sight, this is what I am, Lord. This is what it means, putting sackcloth. From the greatest to the least. From whom to whom? Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'll tell you something. For a rich man, His justification is his riches. For a poor man, his justification is his poverty. Yes, thank you. I'm not like others. I live an austere life. I don't spend money like those spendthrifts. Look at my life. It is so simple. What the other politicians do? I'm not like those other politicians. Just giving an example. So what has happened? My poverty has become my my righteousness. <laughs> so what is he doing? From everybody, from the poorest to the greatest, everybody put on sackcloth and he says, you know what, I am no better than this politician. So the politician and the, and the person who elected the politician, both are on the same page now. Because I'll tell you in India, everybody is a dunga. Because when the election time comes, all politicians give money. And the, what does the person who Uh, elects or uh, puts his vote he takes money and he takes money from every party by the way you know that and he votes for the party which has given him the most money because it is all secret ballot nobody knows and do I know homes by the time election is over they get at least 20,000 50,000 rupees depending upon the number of votes in that particular home Experience to bag me So I don't, I'm personally telling you. And I I not me. I know people who have come to me and told exactly what happens in their homes. Politician comes, one party comes, gives them some rupee, another party comes, gives them a little more, they take it from everybody. So the politician and the voter. <laughs> greatest to the least. They all have They all come to the throne and say, Lord, have mercy. This is what I am when compared to you. So what is sackcloth? This is my reality. When compared to you, this is who I am. All my righteousness is as what? filthy rags before you. I cannot dress myself in filthy rags, but what, what do I do? I put on sackcloth and say, this is exactly what I am. You know, remember uh, that song that we sing, no? "Clothed," no, oh, okay. Clothed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. Did my zeal no respite? No. Did my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Did my zeal no respite? No. Did my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hands i bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I too thy fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. Or I die. This is what the hymn writers sang those days. Oh, they knew their God. And they sang these songs to their God. I have done against for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and have done this evil in your sight and when I look at you in your sight and in my sight both of us, what do you look at me? That's exactly what I am. You know what confession actually means? Agreeing with God's opinion about you. That's what confession is. Agreeing God's to God's opinion about you. Like For example like pastor was saying you know, the other day when Adam came God knew what Adam do, did. what have you done? God is asking Adam <laughs> as if God did not know no i I was talking to Samir after the meeting was over. You know what he was saying? Pastor, this is exactly what we do when we do uh, peop, uh when we do analysis on when we do investigation on some employees we carry we gather all the relevant information and the on the thing that he has done. We gather all the evidence. We gather everything. His entire Kalachit, everything. His, all his sins are there before us. And then when we call him, we ask him, uh, Do you know what you did? We ask him. We give him a chance. We still want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Before we press charges against him. And what did I do? Acknowledge. That is what putting on sackcloth means. How do we put on sackcloth? I say, Lord, hmm, this is exactly what I am before you. So there's no way. see, that's what I was saying. no, The gospel is calculated to offend when he he actually gave the formula for the gospel, it was calculated that you will not boast. That's what happens. It says, no, what becomes of our boasting in Romans chapter three? What becomes of our? boasting. (laughs) It is God who is the justifier. He is just and the justifier of our sins. What becomes of what? Boasting. It is annulled. By what gospel? By the gospel of God. It is annulled. Against you and you only have I sinned and have done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just. You see that? You may be found just. What What was he doing through his confession? What was David doing? He was justifying God. You may be just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Okay, In your sight. Because in the sight of everybody, I was fantastic. But in your sight, sackcloth and ashes. Job chapter 42. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust ashes. I abhor myself. In other words, I look at my life and say, this is what I am. In your side and now in my side also. <laughs> okay, In my side. You know, in other words, I got the answer key and I look at my answer sheet and I look at the key. Zero. <laughs> in other words, when I look at my answer key, that's what I say. The answer key is Jesus Baba. Your answer sit, you write and get. When compared to his answers, let God be true. Everybody, doesn't matter how righteous is what. according to you, who is the most honest man who lived, ever lived on planet planet? Mahatma Gandhi. In his sight, a liar. You can call him Mahatma. In his sight, Chaddatma. Varashtatma. In your sight, Mahatma. In your sight, Deadatma. He was a great soul in his sight. God's sight, worse soul. (laughs) See, when God be true, every man is a liar. That is the reason why all other scales are what? False balances. And what are false balances? They are an abomination to the Lord. You comparing yourself is a false balance. If I compare myself with Sam, and Sam compares himself with me. <laughs> two false balances comparing themselves with themselves. Kya baat You're good, I am good. Let us balance here, there, no? Remember that story of the monkey and the cat? And the two cats. Remember the story of the monkey and the two cat. You don't know the story, right, Sam? I'll tell you the story. I'll tell the story, okay? So, but two cats, they, they stole one piece of bread. And they were trying to share... It among themselves. They were fighting. This is my bread. This is my bread. We have to share it equally. So the monkey came. Monkey came. They said, Why are you fighting? What are you fighting for? They said, No, we stole this thing. Now we have to divide it among ourselves. Please, can you divide it equally among us? So monkey is very smart. So what he did? He, to- he made one thing small deliberately and the other thing big. He gave it the big thing to one cat and the small thing to the other cat. And the cat said, No! That is the bigger piece. You know what the monkey did? Took a nice chunk out of the bigger piece. Deliberately made this thing smaller than the other now. Is this okay? He said, No, 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 no. The other, the, the other cat said, The other one is bigger. Took a bite out the other one. And slowly, it consumed the goods. <laughs> it consumed both, and both received nothing. You see, that is a cat. That's the story of the cat the cats. that's exactly what we do you know, Sam, I'm looking a little bit bad, so pastor take some of my righteousness and give it to you, now no, we are okay, <laughs> now we are okay we are balancing nicely, we are on a seesaw, God says that is not the balance I'll put my son on one side and you on the other and what will happen many many take a loop sin you have been weighed and found wanting your days are numbered, finished That's it. False balances. What do I do? Therefore I abhor and the moment you abhor yourself you know what God will do he will clothe you with his righteousness and what will happen? One side Jesus, the other side Jesus. The scale is balanced. Remember what you know the what is it called we call her what? Nyaya devata no what do you call her? in Telugu in Hindi what I mean sorry English what do what do you call him? no not Statue of liberty the woman just just what's the woman what's the name Oh, the, the name i forget her name no in the in the in the court you have this woman right she's got a uh, she's got a balance like this and her eyes are uh, eyes are blind okay so she's not going to she's not going to judge you with the seeing of her eyes not the, with the hearing of her ears and she's going to judge according to righteousness and who's righteousness jesus and on the balances You'll be weighed and found wanting if it were not for the righteousness of Jesus. Faultless to stand before the throne. That is the reason why. And can it be? You know, no condemnation. Now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Wait, Jesus and all in him is mine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And can it be? How can this be? God, my God, should die for me. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent. That is what sackcloth and ashes means. Lord, this is what I am in your sight. I evaluate myself. My self-test is, I give myself how many marks? Zero marks. I'm reprobate in your according to my sight and in your sight too. That's what greatest to the least means. Putting on sackcloth. Meaning, this is what I am. I agree with your judgment about myself. I'm weighed in the balances and I'm found wanting. So what, what did the king do therefore? After that, he arose from the throne. In other, words, in other words, he accepted the sovereignty of God in his life. What does that mean? Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23. Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. Look at this. I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps anymore. In other words, who is going to direct my life? You are going to direct my life. That is the reason why my life is to, what? My The will of God for my life is to justify God. What, how do I justify God? By doing His will now. Not my own will, but His will. Romans chapter 6. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a new life and live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall be certainly united with Him in the resurrection like His. What does that mean? For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that we should, that, that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The word for set free, you know what? Has been justified. The word is justified by God. If God has justified for you, he has justified justified you. In other words, I don't cannot live my life any anymore for myself. My life is God's, and I live by His decree. I arise from the throne of my life, and I call it and say, Lord, you direct my life. That's it. You sit on my throne. The throne belongs to you. Remember that story of uh, Bharat and Rama. <laughs> What, is, what does Bharat do? He Kalies the throne and he puts the sandals of Rama in that throne and says, Lord, I am not ruling this. This throne belongs to you. Not mine. Okay. Galatians chapter 2. For through the law, verse two, uh, chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But, the, but Christ lives in me. The life. I now live in the body. I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, my life is not my own. It's yours, right? First Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves where? With the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer lived the rest of his life, or for the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Your will. In other words, sufficient lifetime I have spent doing my own will now. From now on, your will God arose from the throne. Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this is your true and proper worship. Understand this. My life is not my own, but belongs to God. Why? First Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, what? Honor God with your bodies. My life does not belong to my own. Mark chapter 16. Verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is what? Baptized, right? (laughs) What does baptism mean? I don't live for my own. What do I do by through my baptism? What did they do through their baptism? They justified God. You see that? He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. So he, whoever believes will also get what? Baptized. <coughs> Excuse me. Alright. Finally He put away the what? The robe. He put away the robe. What does this mean? Romans chapter 13. And do this, knowing that the time, that is now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, What? The armor of light let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry or drunkenness not in lewdness or or and lust not in strife and envy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put away the old and put on the new and by doing this what do you do? You justify God. You see that? My life is not my own. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4 final verse For you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitfulness, and be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind, the attitude of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, this is what you justify God. So let us look at, finally, let us look at Jonah chapter 3. What did they do? They believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth, from greatest to the least, meaning this is what my evaluation is about myself, in your sight. That's what it means. They arose from the throne. and They laid aside his robe. And said, Lord, you have to clothe me. And I have to put on, meaning what, constantly keep. This is how my life justifies God. There was one verse in Titus which I forgot to put No, It says, when you believe like this, you adorn the doctrine of Christ. What should you do? You have to adorn, you have to put on the doctrine. You put on the doctrine. Put on the new man. So this morning, we learned in some detail what it means. To justify God. Why? My life is not my own. He owns me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. All to him I owe. There's a debt that we all have an obligation to fulfill. And that obligation is that my life should what? Justify God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you once again for... Showing us through different scriptures, O Lord, what it means to justify God. What it means for us to truly repent. But this will become a lifestyle. It is just not one day. Because every day, O Lord, we have to believe in your word. Every day, Lord, we should mourn over our sin. Humble ourselves before you. Sometimes through fasting. But many times, O Lord, to have that attitude of humility. All the time. Because your words your word says, clothe yourselves with humility. Clothing ourselves with humility. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Having an evaluation of our a genuine evaluation of ourselves in your sight and emptying the throne of our life and giving the control to you, putting off our old man, renewing the attitude of our mind and putting on the new man every day of our lives, and when we do that, we will justify you. This is the will of God. The counsel of God for our life is that my life is to justify you. It is not to justify myself. So, Because many people say if I don't achieve this in my life I will not justify my existence. If I don't earn so much money I will not justify my existence. If I don't earn so many degrees, I will not justify myself, my existence. That is not the reason for which, that is not the way we justify ourselves a lot. Our life is not to justify ourselves. Our life is to justify you. That's what you told your children in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, when you fear God and follow the statutes of God, the people around will say, these people are a wise and understanding people because whom they obey, they obey God. They justify God. Six years they were supposed to till the land and for seventh year they were supposed to proclaim rest for the land. Because through that year of rest they were justifying saying my provision does not come from my work, from my hard work, from my labor. Yes Lord, Paul waters, Paul plants, Paul is waters, but God is the one who gives the increase. Therefore the one who plants and the one who waters is nothing, but God who gives the increase is everything, O oh Lord. And that is how we justify you, O oh Lord. But not doing my own will, but by obeying you. And All the world were sowing on the seventh year. Your people did not sow. They enjoyed an year of rest, praising and meditating and learning from you. And through their life, they were supposed to proclaim that they were God's people. They were supposed to justify God and not themselves. Enable us not not to make the same mistake that the children of Israel made, O Lord. May our lives justify you. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory.